Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brighton Krumah. Reverend Brighton Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. Bow your heads with me and let us pray. Father, we are grateful this afternoon. We thank you, Lord, that you have made way for us to be here. We thank you, Lord, for our salvation. We thank you for this great gift. We thank you for our church. We thank you for the fathers that you have given us in this church. Lord, this afternoon, we ask that you give us of your spirit to teach us. Give us hearts that are ready and prepared to receive your word. We glorify your name. We thank you that at the end of this service, let all glory come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus and please be seated on top of your enemies. Yes. Wonderful. Well, this afternoon, I um, want to continue sharing with you about godliness. In our service, we have been talking about godliness. Amen. Are you enjoying the dress down? Yes. You are enjoying the dress down Sunday. Wonderful. It's for a season. So we have been talking about godliness and we have established that being a godly person, being someone who fears God, someone who serves God, someone who takes the things of God seriously, being a godly person, the Bible says it supersedes anything else that we can do in this world, Amen. in the physical. Do you understand? Being a godly person, the Bible says it is more blessing than anything that we can do in the physical. And godly activities have more benefits. The things that are godly, godly activities have more benefits than physical activities. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want us to look at our foundational scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And verse number 6, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of the life which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Amen. Amen. These things command and teach. So the Bible is saying godliness is profitable unto all things in this life and in the life that is to come. Godliness will profit you. You will have gain being a godly person in this life. You will receive more profit being a godly person in this present life and in the life that is to come. And beloved, the Bible says there is a life that is to come. It means that there is a different life from this life that we are living. The Bible makes it clear. There is a clear distinction between this life and the life that is to come. Amen. Amen. 
and you will only die to find out. Or Christ will come and then you will find out that there is indeed a life that is to come. There is another life besides this life that we are living. Amen. Amen. But you see, oftentimes all of our attention and our focus is on this life. Because this is the life that we see. Are you with me? This is the life that we see. But we have to prepare ourselves in this life for the next life that is to come. Because there is a life that is to come. And the Bible says, what will gain you profit, what will make you profit in that life that is to come is godliness. It says physical activities, physical things, the things that pertain to the flesh, they'll profit you, but very little profit. Not much. Amen. Amen. But this life, godliness will profit you, and in the life that is to come, godliness will profit you. You may not believe that there is another life that is to come. But if the Lord is saying there is life that is to come, then, beloved, you are, you are at a very great advantage to accept it. Though you have not seen it. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? A child in the womb will only be born and realize that there is another life besides the life that is in the womb. But when you are in the womb, all your activities, everything that you are doing pertains to the activities in the womb. You are more concerned about the food that is coming from the placenta. You are more concerned that there is enough fluid in the, um, in the womb that is, you are floating in, that you can constantly swim. Do you understand? But there are other things that are in the womb that are happening that doesn't seem to be necessary for life in the womb, but they are necessary for your life that is to come. Do you understand? Yes. You see, when you, are in the room, when you are in the womb, you don't do any thinking. You don't do mathematics. You don't do calculus. You don't do economics. You don't have to reason. You don't, have, you don't need a job. You don't need a career. You don't need college degree. Do you understand? But you're going to need a brain that you seem not to need now. Because in the life that is to come, you're going to need a brain. And if that brain is not developed well enough before you enter into the life that is to come, you are going to suffer. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So there are activities in our life right now that doesn't seem to be relevant. Hallelujah. But you will die to find out that in that life that is to come, those activities matter so much. And those activities, they are godly activities. Hallelujah. Spiritual activities. Amen. So, there is physical and there is spiritual. And God is making it clear to us that when we focus on the spiritual, when we focus on godly activities, they benefit us. In this physical, in this life, and in the life that is to come. See, if you don't know, you know, even just being an unbeliever, you don't know that it is a very difficult life to live as an unbeliever. It is very difficult life. Amen. You don't even know that it is far and easier life to have a God that you can pray to and cry to and go on your knees and call upon when you are in trouble. Hallelujah. There are more benefits being a godly person. Amen. Amen. So we began looking at some of the characteristics of a godly person. Some of the activities of a godly person. And we selected someone in the scriptures, someone in the Bible, that the scriptures describe as a godly person. And we were looking at some of the things that this person did that gained him this description even as a godly person. Amen. Amen. And so I want us to turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And I want us to read a story. A very interesting event that took place in this part of the biblical history. 
Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man. A devout man. So, a devout man is a person who is godly. A person who is devoted. Amen. Amen. A person who is good. Amen. Amen. It says, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodged with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto him, he sent them to Joppa. Are you reading with me? On the morrow, that means the next day, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, which city? You see, I'm testing to see who is reading with me. I said, which city did they draw nigh to? Are you reading with me? This is very important, and we are going to share some really important things. So I want you to follow this story closely. The Bible says, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry. How many of you have prayed and you have become hungry before? Sometimes it's during prayers that you realize you are hungry and you, have to, you want to stop and go and find something to eat. It happened to Peter also. Amen. So it says, and he became very hungry. Say very hungry. And would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Made ready what? The food. He fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened and a vessel descending unto him. As it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Can you imagine it? It's like a large dish. Nice. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. Every kind of meat was on it. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. The next verse, but Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God had cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house 
and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is it, the cause, what is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feared God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an angel to send for thee into, this, into his house, and to hear words of thee. Then called he them, in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Hallelujah. Amen. Say amen. amen. Wonderful. Now, from this story, we shared some few characteristics of a godly person. We shared about a godly person. And I think I gave you some few characteristics last time. What were some of the characteristics? Number one, what did we say? What did we say? Were you, on, were you in church? Or only two people were in church? We said a godly person is a devout man. One that is devout. Amen. Do you remember? Yes. We said he is a committed person. And we gave the definition of what is devout. We said he is totally committed to a cause or a belief. That is a godly person. Number two, what did we say? We said a godly person fears God with all his house. He serves God with all his house. A godly person encourages everyone that is in his house to serve God. Amen. Amen. A godly person does not serve God and leave his wife home. Amen. Amen. Number three, what did we say? We said he gave much alms. He gave much alms to the people. A godly person is a giver. A godly person is someone who pays his tithe. Someone who supports the ministry. A godly person is someone who gives offerings in church. He, money is not a problem for a godly person. And we said that anyone who is controlled by money has not begun to serve God yet. If you have difficulty parting with money, if your, all your energy is geared towards getting money, if all of your mind is occupied about having money, then you are not serving God, then you are serving money. And the Bible says that you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot. So if you are serving money or mammon, then you are not serving God. So you can assess how you are serving God by assessing how much of your time and energy and your mind, the portion of your mind, on many times what is on your mind, is it about God, about the things of God, about church, or is it about your work, your money? Amen you can assess for yourself. Amen. We shared so many things on this particular point. Do you remember? Yes. And the next one, what did we say? A godly person is someone who prays to God always. A godly person prays to God always. Amen. Amen. Do you remember these things? Yes. yes. And I think I give you the fourth one. What did I say? Wonderful. We said a godly person is someone who receives and honors the servant of God that is sent to him or to her. A godly person honors and receives the servant of God that is sent to him. Amen. Amen. 
So we read in Acts chapter 10, verse 6. It says that when the angel came, he, he gave Cornelius an instruction. And he says, go, send men to Joppa. And there is a person, he says, he lodged with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Amen. Amen. God gives servants out of his heart. He chooses particular servants. He chooses particular ministers for your life. Amen. Amen. So it is something that you pray about. You have to pray about that. That God will direct you to the servant that he has chosen for you after his own heart. Amen. Amen. And you don't sit in churches and complain and murmur against servants of God that you cannot receive from. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yes. So he said, a godly person is someone who honors the servant of God. Everyone must have a servant of God in his life. Everyone, every Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you must have a servant of God. Someone who can tell you what thou oughtest to do. Amen. Amen. Here is a man who had an awesome visit by an angel. He had an awesome visitation by an angel from God. And he wouldn't tell him anything. He will not tell him anything that he has to do. The main message that this angel brought to him is to go and see a man of God. The main message that the angel came with, that your prayers have been heard, your alms given have been received, and has become a memorial before God, that God sees your alms given, your prayers, every day, and it triggers his heart, and he wants to do something powerful for you, the only thing this angel was sent to do was to go to Cornelius, and direct him to a man of God that God has specifically selected and chosen and showed him on what street he lives. Not any church. Don't, he didn't say, find any church that is near you and just go. Because oftentimes, we look for a church that is convenient. We say, oh, this church is too far. Let me just go to this church. God specifically selects men of God for you. Amen. Amen. So he came, the angel came and delivered this message. Now most people will not go. Most people will not travel. You will not travel just for a man of God. You will not travel just for a church to hear what a man of God will say. But he says he will tell you that which you ought to do. I'm not telling you anything. My message, what God sent me, he says, your offerings, your arms giving, your prayers have come out as a memorial before God, and that is why I am sent to you. Then the only message that God sent me is go and see a man of God. Send for a man of God. And he, he the man of God, not an angel, not me, not I who stands here in the stead of God, but that man of God will tell you what you ought to do. And many people will not go, will ignore it. Many people, if you have received an angel, an angel has come to your house, and you have seen him, and you are talking to him, an angel, you will feel very important. You will feel more important than any man of God, because you will think that even this man of God has seen an angel before. You will feel very important. I mean, an angel came to visit you. Come on. You will start walking in a certain way. Amen. The first thing you probably would ask him, let's take a selfie. First of all, you will ask to take a photograph with the angel. You say, angel, hold on for a moment. And then you will take your camera and take selfie and post it on every social media, on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere that an angel has visited you. Amen. Amen. You will probably set up a prophetic ministry. 
Because an angel has visited you. You will begin a prophetic ministry and you will change your name. You will probably change your name and give yourself a name prophet so and so or prophetess this and this and that. I am preaching a good message. You will begin lining people up in your house. In your apartment, people will line up from the sixth floor all the way down the street. Where are they going? They are going to see this prophet. Because there's this new prophet in town. We saw his picture with an angel on Facebook. And we have traveled coming from Wisconsin and Ohio. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You will set up a ministry of prayer and prophecies prophesying to people and saying all kinds of things because you have received angelic visits. Do you see why God does not send angels just randomly to people who do not understand godly things, who do not honor men of God? That is what you will do. Set up a ministry and begin a prophetic ministry and prophesying to people saying all kinds of things to people and then you will say that the time is the only time that they can see you is from 3 p.m and 3 p.m to 3:33 p.m that is it because it is that it is the 333 the third hour that is when the angel comes From 3 p.m. to 3.33. And if you are not there, the first hundred people, that's it. Make yourself very important. And then you see people come to line up at 2 a.m. waiting for 3 p.m. to see you. True or not true? You probably will write a book and call it Angelic Trigger or Angel Trigger Healing ministry, something, something like that. How to trigger angelic visitation. How to handle an angel. And then you say, it's not everyone that can handle an angel. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you see, you will begin all of this. Meanwhile, you are not even born again. I'm preaching a very important message. You are not even born again. Because as of this time, Cornelius is not saved. Cornelius is not saved. So this time, you are not even born again. So if Cornelius had ignored the instructions to go and see a man of God, and he has become his own prophet, and he's become his own man of God, he would have missed his salvation. Amen. Sitting in church. And doing all kinds of things. And so there's so many people sitting in church doing the things that Cornelius is doing, but they are not born again. I'm preaching a good message. There are so many people sitting in church, and you come to church, you pay your tithe, you give offerings, you pray, you come for prayer meetings, you sign up on our prayer line, doing all these godly things, and you are not born again. Amen. Amen. The fact that you have a powerful dream and God spoke to you and God gave you a direction and God said something to you does not mean that you are born again. You still ought to be born again. And many people are sitting in church today. Many people are doing the work of God. Many people are doing so many things and they are not born again. They are not born again. And your activities shows that you, you are not born again. The things that you do, it shows that you are not born again. Amen. So God will always give you a man of God who will tell you what you ought to do. And oftentimes, it is through the preaching and counseling that God gives to the man of God for you. Hallelujah. That is why you ought to take the preaching of your pastor seriously. When you hear a message 
that your pastor has preached, you ought to take it seriously. Because God will give you a man, a servant, after his own heart. God will give you a pastor after his own heart who will tell you what thou oughtest to do. Hallelujah. So the second important thing that I wanted to share with you regarding this is that you can do all kinds of righteous things. You can give alms. You can pray. You can fast. You can help build the church. But you ought to be born again. You must be born again. Hallelujah. No matter how good you are, Cornelius was described as a devout man. One who feared God. One who served God with all his household. One who prayed to God always. One who gave alms to people. One who contributed to the building of the church. But his salvation was imminent. His salvation was important. That he would be saved was on God's mind. That whatever good he was doing wasn't going to get him to heaven. He ought to be born again. Amen. Amen. This was so important. It was so important that he needed an angel to visit him. That you are doing so many good things. You are giving. You are attending church. You go to church. You go, after, you go for prayer meetings. You stay for shepherd's meetings. But you ought to be born again. Amen. Amen. Because that is what is happening to many people. But Jesus answered Nicodemus in John 3 and verse 3. He says, except a man be born again. He cannot. Say he cannot. He cannot. Say except. Except a man be born again, he cannot, he cannot see. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot. Amen. So every godly person honors and receives the man of God that God sends to him. Hallelujah. Then the next thing that I want to share with you, the next thing that God wants, to, wants us to pay attention to and have respect for is dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. A godly person pays attention to and has respect for dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. Acts chapter 10 and verse 7, the Bible says, And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed. He called two of his servants, household servants, and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. A servant that was supposed to be with him all the time. He called two of his servants and sent them to Joppa. He declared this dream to them and sent them to Joppa. So one as soon as the angel left, as soon as the angel departed, Cornelius called his servants. He called his servants, so he was treating this vision with urgency. Amen. 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 A godly person treats his visions or her visions with urgency. He does not sit on them. If God has visited you in a vision, he expects you to act on it immediately. Hallelujah. So a godly person treats dreams and visions with urgency. Hallelujah. Sometimes we, we wake up with a dream and then we brush it aside. We ignore it. And then as the day is progressing, you remember, oh, I had this dream. Oh, and then you just walk on by. Amen. But Cornelius, as soon as the angel left, he called his servants. And the Bible says he relayed this vision to them. The next thing, he called two of his best servants. Two of his best servants. A servant that is supposed to wait on him continually. A servant that is supposed to stay with him all the time. He is calling him to send him away. Now that is how important this vision was to him. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? I'm sharing some important things that pertain to your life. 
Amen. Amen. So he was treating this vision with all importance. That everything that he would do about it is something that is important to him. The third thing, he was not embarrassed to share the vision with them. He was not embarrassed. Many people are embarrassed to talk about their dreams. Many people, you feel that it's superstitious. You feel people will laugh at you even to talk about your dreams and your visions. Cornelius did not feel embarrassed that his servants would say, Oh, look at the big man. He ate and he slept and he has some small nightmare and he's afraid. Cornelius was not embarrassed to tell them of the dream and let them see how urgent and important it was to him. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Some of you, you don't treat dreams with any importance. You feel embarrassed even to tell people, oh, Charlie, I had some wild dream and I'm beginning to be afraid. You say, oh, come on, just a dream. Do you see? Another Christian, will, oh, it's just a dream. It's not just a dream. Cornelius, this dream was very important to him. And he relayed the story to his servants. Hallelujah. They were not afraid that they would say the big man is hallucinating. You know, he's seeing things. Who dreams a bright daylight, 3 p.m., you just doze off a little bit and you are going wild and crazy. Master, chill down, cool down. People have these kinds of things all the time. It's okay, nothing is going to happen. No, he treated it with his importance, with all importance. Amen. Amen. The next thing, he sent them to Joppa. The man of God he was talking about was not next door. He sent them to Joppa. That means he was, they are servants, so he was paying for their trip. Joppa to um, um, Caesarea was about 35 miles. 35 miles and more than 2,000 years ago, it's not a 45-minute drive. It was a four-day trip, in and out, going back and forth. Four days of a trip. So he needed to pay for the accommodation on the road, food, and everything, and any means that by which they would travel. He did not ignore the dream. Amen. Amen. And the message he gave to them is, go into that town and look for one Simon, a tanner, who lives by the seaside. I mean, it sounds very absurd. Ah, master, you have a vision and you heard the name and now you are sending us to Joppa to walk or whatever means to Joppa and look for some strange man that you heard in a dream. Master, come on, be serious. Daniel, do you understand? Dreams are important. That is why I wanted some of the young ones to be here. Because God visits them also in dreams and visions. To hear. Dreams are important. And if we don't take our dreams seriously, we miss on great things that God wants to do for us. Amen. Amen. So it sounds very absurd. You know, but a lot of people will have ignored it. First of all, you don't even care that you had a dream. Most people don't care about their dreams. And secondly, most people don't remember their dreams. And it doesn't even bother you that you dream and you don't remember. It doesn't bother you. You have not prayed about it. That Lord, each time I have a dream, I don't remember. You don't even care, less of all, to go through the trouble of sending people to investigate this dream. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yes. But this was a breakthrough dream for Cornelius and his household. He was a righteous man, doing all the godly things, but he was not born again. He did not have Christ. Hallelujah. So they set off to go to Joppa. And at the same time, there was another man in Joppa who was also having vision. At the same time that these people set off, the Bible said there was another man who was having vision and also didn't seem to understand it. Wow. 
Amen. Amen. You know, let me tell you, if you don't treat your dreams and visions with importance, you will miss on great things that God wants to do. Amen. If Cornelius had brushed aside this vision, you know, this was the vision which was going to be a breakthrough for the gospel now to be extended to the Gentiles. This was the vision through which now a door, a great door was opened for the gospel to come to people like you and I. Amen. 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 And Cornelius could have also brushed it aside. So the Bible says, at the same time, we can read from verse 9. It says, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Amen. He says, Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. <laughs> Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now imagine that you were very hungry. You went to pray and you felt very hungry and you wanted to eat. The Bible says he was very hungry. And I, I've told you that there's no word in the scripture that is irrelevant. Do you understand? So he, he was very hungry means he was very hungry. He was not ordinarily hungry that you can, he was very hungry. And he would have eaten. He wanted to eat. So you were very hungry and you wanted to eat. And then you go to the kitchen. And then when you get to the kitchen, they are now preparing the food. And you see a big bowl, they are preparing all kinds of meat. You know, there are different dishes. There's a fish dish. They have um, some beef. They have um, lobster. They have some, what else? Shrimps. They have all kinds of meat. All kinds of dishes that they are preparing. But they say, we are not ready. We are not ready. When it's ready, we will call you. And then you go, and whilst you are waiting for the food to be ready, you fall into trance. Do you know what is trance? What is trance? It is a state where you don't have any activity in the physical. You cannot act on the physical. Do you understand? And sometimes God puts us in a state like that, that we don't have oh, any activity. The, the world cannot affect us so we can receive from him. So the Bible says, Peter, he fell into a trance. Now imagine you are hungry. You want to eat. And you fall into a trance. And then all kinds of dishes. You know, shrimp. He says every kind of meat was on the dish. You know, different kinds of things. Nice, because you were, as you were praying, you could hear, you could smell the food. Do you understand? You could smell the food. I don't know if he had fasted. Perhaps he had fasted. That's why he was so hungry. Because if he had breakfast at the sixth hour, he shouldn't be that hungry. That the scripture describes as very hungry. Perhaps he had fasted. And then as you are just waiting, you hear the hissing of the frying and all the cooking, and then you fall into a trance. And then when you fall into a trance, you see all the things about food. You dream about food. And then you wake up. I think most people would have brushed this dream aside and said, oh, it's my hunger. It's my hunger. Isn't that so? It's my hunger. I would have probably brushed it aside also and said this one, I think I was thinking too much about food. The food was going into my nose too much. 
And we would have brushed it aside. And we wouldn't have pondered over it. But the Bible says, in verse 17, it says, while Peter, while Peter, you see, look at that. It says, now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean. It means that Peter pondered about the dream. He thought about the dream. And he must say, this dream must mean something. I cannot just brush it aside and think that it is the hunger and the food that they are making downstairs that is causing me to have this dream or this vision. But he said, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Amen. Amen. It is when we think and ponder about our dreams and visions that God will develop it further. It is when we treat our dreams and visions with importance that God will develop it further and reveal certain things to us. If we don't treat our dreams and visions with importance, we brush it aside. Amen. Amen. Look, if there's any serious thing that God wants to do in your life and you have a dream, ponder over the dream. Think about the dream. Don't you, if you don't place serious, you don't place any seriousness on your dreams and visions, you'll miss out on a lot of great things that God wants to do in your life. Amen. Debbie, do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yes. You miss out on so many things. So this vision that Peter had, it was associated, you know, with something that was happening around him. He was thinking about food. He was thinking about hunger. And then he has a vision about food. Now you, add, you will just put the two together and then brush it aside. But this is the vision that brought a big breakthrough in Peter's ministry. This is the vision that was going to open a great door, another branch of Peter's ministry to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. And Peter could have brushed this dream aside. Peter could have just belittled the effects of this dream and associated with all other things. Hallelujah. So you realize that the things that are very powerful, the things that are spiritually powerful, they don't mean much physically. You don't understand? The things that are spiritually powerful, they don't mean much physically. They sometimes look like foolishness in the physical. Hallelujah. You see, so winning, for instance, you know, many of you don't treat it with importance. Many of you don't have any value for it. Many of you, coming to church is more important to you than winning souls. Many of you, listening to a message, listening to a pastor preach, is more important to you than winning souls. Many of you, cooling yourself, I mean, being cool in your home under air conditioning or maybe go to the beach and lie in water and cool yourself, it's more important to you than coming to church. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You see, prayer, things like prayer and faith, you know, and salvation, and sometimes they don't mean much, but I'm telling you that they are the greatest things, but they don't mean much in the world. Is somebody understanding the word of God? Yeah. So dreams, they don't mean much in the world. Visions don't mean much in the world. You can't go to your boss and say, you know, let's do this. This project that we are trying to build, as a Christian, I had a vision. God showed me that we shouldn't go to this state, but we should build it in this state instead. This small town where it doesn't seem to be well populated. That is where God revealed to me that you will not be accounted as any important person at the table, but someone who will rise up and give the number of population, the people that migrate to that place, the people that are living in that place, the people that earn certain income, the man, because of A, B, and C that I have calculated, I think this 
project should be in this place. The world will clap for a person like that. Not your dreams and your visions. And so great things, spiritually, they don't mean much to the world. Amen. Amen. Dreams don't mean much to the world. Visions don't mean much to the world. Here is someone who is hungry and wanted to eat. Someone who is hungry and wanted to eat. And then he wakes up and then he says, I have a dream. And he says, now while he doubted about this, while he doubted about this, at the same time, God is trying to connect two people for two important things. The salvation of Cornelius and his household and the ministry of reconciliation extending to the Gentiles. And he's doing it through dreams and visions. He's connecting these people through dreams and visions. Amen. Amen. And we could have brushed this aside. We could have brushed this aside. Peter, we know you are, you are a wild preacher. But this dream, I mean, you were hungry. They were cooking. You wanted to eat. And then you went to the kitchen and they said, we are not done yet. So when we are finished, we will call you. And then you were upstairs thinking about the food. And then you went into a trance. And the Bible says it happened three times. It happened three times. Beloved, dreams that are repeatedly... They come to you and come to you and come to you. Wake up and say, here I am. Speak thou, Lord. Sometimes you dream, you wake up, you go to the bathroom, and you come back to sleep, and the dream continues. As if you never even slept, there was no break. The dream continues. Beloved, rise up, wake up, and hearken to what the Lord is saying. Amen. Sometimes you dream and the dream is opposite of what you are planning to do. Don't attribute it to an enemy that is trying to stop you from what you are doing. Hearken to the voice of God and ask, Lord, what is it? He says, while Peter pondered, pondered, he, he, as he thought about, doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, Behold, the men were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate knocking, knocking. And still there's an opportunity and a chance for you to doubt it. You will not connect the two. You will not associate it at all. But listen, the next verse, the Bible says, and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, you ought to think about the vision. You ought to think about your dream. It ought to be in your heart. You ought to want to have understanding. You ought to want to have meaning to the dream. If God is going to speak to you, you must treat your dreams and visions with importance. But the Bible says, why Peter also thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, Three men seek thee. Three men seek thee. Now, arise therefore and go and go and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing. Because there is a high chance that you are going to doubt, that you are not going to associate this with anything. But you see, let me tell you if you want, if God is going to do something great in your life, respect dreams. Respect visions. Hallelujah. I say respect dreams. Respect visions. And when you wake up, don't say it's coincidence. Don't say, oh, it's coincidence. Respect dreams and respect it. He says, go down and having doubt, doubting nothing, for I sent them. I sent them. And the Bible says, then Peter went down to the men which were sent from Cornelius and said, behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause where ye are come? Amen. Amen. Doubting nothing. Hallelujah. I just want to read one more scripture and then we will close. Job chapter 33 and verse 14. If you have the New Living Translation. Job chapter 33 and verse 14. It says, For God speaks. God speaks. 
God speaks. There are so many of you who have wondered, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I hear if God is speaking to me? I am praying about this, and I've not heard the voice of God. I am praying about my marriage. I am praying about who to marry, but I've not, I've not heard God's voice. He said, for God speaks again and again. God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. People do not recognize it. When God is speaking, people do not recognize it. When God is speaking, people do not have value for the form that he's speaking. He says, for God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. The next verse, he says, he speaks in dreams, in visions of the night. When deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their bed, when they have let go of the world, when the world has no effect on them, when you are sleeping and you have no control of what is around you, the Bible says God visits his children and they slumbering upon their beds. He opened their ears and he warns them. He seals his instructions. He warns them. God visited Cornelius and he warned him. Another version says he warned him to send men to Joppa. That means he gave him instructions to send men to Joppa. If we are going to hear the voice of God, if we are going to receive direction from God, if we are going to receive a breakthrough from God, let's have respect for dreams and visions. Hallelujah. Clap your hands for Jesus and let's bring the service to a close now. Stand to your feet, please, as you bring the service. Yes. Oh, yes. Father, we are grateful. We are thankful. We thank you, Lord, for your revelations. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us that the men and women that you sent to us, the servants that you sent to us, Lord, to treat them with all importance, to receive them. Like Cornelius, oh God. Father, let us value the men and women that you sent to us. For Cornelius treated it with agency. That there is a man that God has directed him to. And he sent his servants to travel to find this man. To travel to locate this man. Lord, we are thankful. We are grateful. When you visit us in dreams and in visions. When you speak to us in dreams and in visions. Lord, we thank you. That today you have awakened us to the value of our dreams and our visions. We will treat our dreams with importance. We will treat our visions with importance. Lord, you will turn our lives around, treat dreams and envisions. We are belittle our dreams and we are belittle our visions. Therefore, Lord, you don't even visit us anymore. But this afternoon, Lord, we are awakening to the value of our dreams and to the value of our visions. In the name of Jesus. Lord, revive this great gift. Revive the gift of visions and dreams in the church. Revive this vision. Revive this gift of God. Revive it. Revive it. In the name of Jesus. I feel in my spirit that there are people in this church. You have belittled your dreams. You used to have dreams and visions. They were sometimes very vivid. Today, you don't dream like that anymore. You don't have visions like that anymore. But this afternoon, if you are like that, you used to dream a lot. Almost every night, you used to dream. But you realize that the dream is almost gone. You don't dream like you used to anymore. It's because you have not valued this channel through which the Lord speaks to us. You have not placed importance to this channel through which God speaks to us. This afternoon, if you are like that, I want you to lift up your two hands and I want to pray for you. You used to have dreams, but you realize it has gone down. I feel that God is reviving this gift in your life. In the name of Jesus. Father, revive the gift. Revive it, O oh God. For you have chosen some of us, you have selected us. 
and Lord, you used to visit us night after night and the slumbering upon our beds. Lord, you visited us and you spoke to us. But Lord, we brush our dreams aside. We brush our visions aside. We never bonded over our dreams. We never bonded over our visions. He said, while Peter doubted on this vision that he had had, what this vision might mean, that is when your spirit spoke. But this afternoon, Lord, we repent from belittling this great channel through which you spoke to us. Father, revive this gift. Let there be a revival. Let there be a revival. Revival of dreams and of visions. Receive dreams and visions. The gift through which God was speaking to you. Let it be revived in the name of Jesus. Lord, revive this gift amongst your children. There shall be giftings of dreams and visions. Dreams and visions in the name of Jesus. Now, if there's anyone here, you hardly dream. You don't seem to have any dream. You don't dream at all. I want to pray for you. It is a channel through which God speaks to us. And I want to pray for you. Lift up your hand. And I'll pray for you. You never have dreams. Father, let there be giftings. Let there be giftings. Giftings of dreams. Giftings of visions. In the name of Jesus. Father, when you chose Joseph, oh God, and you wanted to do a great thing in his life, Lord, you visited him. Even as a child, you visited him in dreams, oh God. You revealed your plans to him. You revealed his future to him. Father, let there be giftings of dreams and visions. Your sons and your daughters. You say you pour out your spirit upon all your sons and your daughters that are under the sound of my voice. I pray, oh God, pour out your spirit. Let them receive dreams. Let them receive visions in the name of Jesus. And Father, give them, oh God, give them the heart to receive, the heart to ponder, to ponder over dreams, to ponder over visions in the name of Jesus. Father, do great things in their lives through dreams and through visions. Build them ministries through dreams and visions. Take them far through dreams and visions. Transform their lives through dreams and visions in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you, Lord. Jesus. We give you glory. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All eyes closed and every head bow. You are here this afternoon. You are not born again. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. Beloved, being godly is not equal to being born again. Being a devout Christian that comes to church on a regular basis like Cornelius someone who is spoken of among the Jews as a righteous person it's not the same as being saved being a giver is not the same as being saved being someone who attends prayer meetings is not the same as being saved this afternoon you are saying pastor I want to receive salvation i want to receive jesus christ into my life as my lord and master as my personal savior if that is your prayer i want you to lift up your right hand and i'll pray for you i'll pray with you you come to church all the time but you know in your heart you know in your heart that you are not born again god sees it and this afternoon grace has found you like the grace found Cornelius he sent him an angel and an angel of God directed him to a pastor to bring him salvation to minister to him about salvation this afternoon that grace has found you so if you are here you want to receive Jesus Christ as your savior lift up your hand and I'll pray with you is there anyone here like that do not leave this place without being born again you are not here by chance you are not here by accident it is not about anyone it is about you it doesn't matter how the jews found cornelius it doesn't matter how all the church saw him how righteous he was 
His salvation was so precious to God. If that is you, your salvation is very precious to God. Lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Is there anyone here like that? Anyone here like that? I want you all to join me and say this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I have sinned against you. Lord Jesus, this afternoon, I come to you full of repentance. I repent for my sins. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Wash me from all unrighteousness. This afternoon, I welcome you into my heart. Into my heart, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, be my master, 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 be my Lord, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today, from today, I will serve you. Please write my name, in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Wonderful. We believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message. We invite you to join us on Sunday afternoons for our Duel of Heaven service and Tuesday evenings for our Word Power service. For more messages by Rev. Brian Nkuma, please subscribe to the QFC Bronx North podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738. Stay blessed.